All right, well, uh, good morning to everyone, and it's, uh, well, man, barely, barely afternoon, just one, one minute past the, uh, the hour, but um, it's, it's good to be with you all, regardless of what uh, period of the day it is. Um, I'm thankful to, to be here with you all and have the chance to study God's Word and to, to worship together this morning. Um, what I want to talk about this morning is something that um, I do not feel like I'm an expert in by any means. I think that that's, uh, that's fairly um, true with a lot of things that people uh, tend to speak about from, uh, from this pulpit, but uh, this is especially something that I uh, feel like I need to grow in, um, and I hope that the words that I have to say today will be encouraging to you, um, but know that this is also something that, uh, that I am trying to work on in my own life. Um, so a couple of questions to think about as we begin, and we'll, we'll continue to address these as we go through the lesson, so just kind of something to keep on your mind. Um, but first of all, why, why do we pray for our brethren? What is the motivation behind the prayers that we give for our brethren? And then second of all, what specifically do we pray about for our brethren? What are the things that when we pray for the saints uh, of, of the local body, what things do we pray for specifically? Um, keep those in mind as we go throughout, and we'll, uh, we'll discuss those again uh, briefly. Um, but I want to I talk today specifically about the example of the Apostle Paul um, that we have uh, in the scriptures. Um, we've been studying uh, in both Acts on Monday night and then in 1 Corinthians on uh, Wednesday night. And I feel like I've been like dunked in this, this tank of just being uh, really invested in learning more about who Paul is. Um, you know, whenever you read about uh, someone's, uh, someone's life and the things that they did, and especially a Christian like Paul, it's hard not to want to glean some, uh, some lessons from that. Um, and I think that one of the most impressive things to me about the character of Paul is this attitude that he demonstrates continually about the care and concern that he has for the brethren. Um, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, I'm going to just read one verse out of, out of uh, 2 Corinthians 11. Um, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, Paul is describing the... Um, He's basically just describing the different trials and tribulations that he's been through in his life as a Christian. And in verse 28, it says, um, and apart from all these other things that he has just previously described, apart from all these other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Now, I don't know about you, but like, I don't, and, and maybe I'm alone in, the, in feeling this, but I don't typically feel anxiety for my brethren. Um, that's probably something I need to, to do more, to, to be more mindful of. Um, but I think it's pretty remarkable that that is one of the things that Paul lists as a source of almost like worry and anxiety for him. And not just, not just occasionally, but on a daily basis. This was something that Paul um, continually thought about and was concerned about. Um, but what is, uh, what is really amazing to me is the response that Paul has to this anxiety that he describes uh, for the churches. Um, just bear with me for a moment. I, I'm not going to read all these passages, but I went through each of Paul's epistles that we have recorded in the New Testament. And uh, just, just listen to the way that Paul uh, responds to the saints in each, in each of his epistles. To the Romans, he says... Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. To the Corinthians, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you. To the Philippians, he says, I thank my God always 
in every prayer of mine for you all. To the Colossians, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you. To the Thessalonians, he says, give th- I give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in my prayers. When he wrote his epistles to Timothy, he says, I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. And to Philemon, he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Uh, I think that it's pretty uh, amazing that Paul's response to this this worry or this anxiety that he feels uh, towards the churches is to pray, is to pray for these these Christians that he uh, cares so much about. Um, and I think this is amazing because some of these places Paul didn't even spend that much time in. Um, it's it's these these weren't places that he always uh, spent a long period of time in, or that he knew the saints extremely well. Uh, the church at, at Thessalonica, he spent just a few brief uh, weeks or, or months there, but not very long uh, at all. Um, and I think we can I think we can learn a lot about Paul's prayers uh, for these saints that he ministered to, specifically in the two areas that I mentioned at the beginning of uh, of this lesson, and that is what his motivation was to pray for the saints, why Paul prayed for the saints. And then secondly, what specifically Paul prayed about for the saints. Um, When I was was going through and listing uh, and kind of looking through some of these different prayers that Paul gives uh, for the saints, um, I I left out the the book of Ephesians, and that was intentional. Because I'd really like for us to take a very specific look today at Paul's relationship with the church at Ephesus, um, look at kind of the background of his relationship with that church, uh, his ministry to Ephesus, um, and then specifically look at Ephesians and look at a couple of the prayers that Paul uh, writes out for us that he gives to God uh, for the saints there in Ephesus. Um, so just a little bit of background about uh, the Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Um, he came briefly uh, to Ephesus on his second missionary journey. He It says that he passed through, uh, spent some time teaching, and then told them, I would like to come back at a later date, but I've got to go now. And he does that. He follows back through on his, uh, on his third missionary journey. And I'm not sure about this, but I think that um, at, on the third missionary journey, Ephesus may have been the place that Paul spent the most consecutive amount of time, possibly in his entire ministry of the gospel. It says that he spent uh, about three years in, in the city of Ephesus. Um, which for Paul, like knowing how much he was traveling around and really trying to spread the gospel, that's a pretty remarkable thing, uh, I think. Um, and it really does seem like uh, Paul experienced some of the uh, the greatest success of his work while he was in Ephesus. Um, in Acts chapter 19, verse 10, it says, All of the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both the Jews and the Greeks. I think that's a pretty that's a pretty strong statement of the success that Paul's work was having in the in the church at Ephesus, and that wouldn't that wouldn't have been possible if he didn't have a strong relationship with the church there at Ephesus. If he didn't you know deeply care and was deeply involved in the lives of these saints. Um, unfortunately, though, at the end of this like three year period, Paul is forced to leave. He's there's this huge riotous crowd that is riled up because Paul has been preaching against the idol worship that was so common uh, there in Ephesus. Um, and he's forced to leave. He, he goes on to other parts of Macedonia. Um, but he returns uh, at, at a later time to speak to the Ephesian elders. Um, and I want us to read his, um, I want us to read his, the speech that he gives to the Ephesian elders in um, Acts chapter 20, if you'll, uh, if you'll turn there with me. 
And as we read through this, think about the, uh, the amount of care and emotion and concern that Paul demonstrates um, for this group at Ephesus. I'll read starting in Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify of the gospel of, grace of, of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said all these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. There was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being most sorrowful of all because of the word he had spoken. That they would not see his face again. And they accompanied them, and they accompanied him to the ship. I think that it's. I think you can't read this passage without thinking about the um, amount of care and concern that Paul has for the church at Ephesus. Um, and some of that probably did have to do with the fact that he had spent such a long period of time there. Um, but he's, he's, he's begging these elders, care for this flock. Be, uh, do all that you can to keep this flock safe from the, the bad things that are out there um, in this world. He, he says that he, uh, he, he mentions tears. He mentions uh, the struggle that he's gone through himself. Um, this was a group of people that Paul was deeply... Uh, and, and completely invested in. And I think that it's interesting that at the end of this passage in verse 36, it says that after he had given this, this grand speech of, um, you know, giving the Ephesian elders instructions and what to do after he's not around anymore, he prayed with them. He prayed with the Ephesian elders. That was his, that was his response. That was his, uh, his final parting words to these elders. And you know, um, It'd be cool if we could have heard that prayer, um, but uh, we do have some prayers that he sent to them in a letter, so uh, I think it'd be good for us to look at those. So let's turn over to the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians, um, 
with uh, with the same sentiment in mind that we just read about in uh, at the end of Acts uh, chapter twenty. Um, he cared about these people. He wanted them to um, he wanted them to be taken care of. And so as we as we read through a couple of Paul's prayers in the book of Ephesians, um, again, I want us to be mindful of a couple things that I think will help us understand how we can imitate Paul in his in his prayers for the Ephesians. First of all, what his motivation was for praying for these saints, and second of all, what specific things he prayed for uh, for the saints in Ephesus. Um, so read with me. I'm going to read uh, the first prayer, uh, or part part of the first prayer that Paul um, gives to these saints in Ephesus in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses uh, 11 through 23. And be thinking of uh, these these questions that uh, we're considering this morning as we read through this about Paul's prayers for the Ephesians. In him, uh, regarding Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. When when I think about these two questions that I've posed about um, why Paul was praying for these saints and the things that he prayed about them for, um, I'd like to propose, first of all, that I believe Paul was motivated to pray for the saints at Ephesus because he believed that they were saved in the same way that he was. Um, if you look at the beginning of this prayer in, uh, in verse 15, uh, your version might say, therefore, my version says, for this reason. Um, and that calls us back to the previous section, uh, the previous thing that Paul had just said. And what he says in verses 11 through 14 is that we have all obtained an inheritance together in Christ. We are hoping together in Christ. Um, and we have been sealed by, we, we have together heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed, and have been sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. Paul was motivated to pray for these saints because he shared a common salvation with him, with them. Um, he knew that uh, from personal experience, having been there and probably having uh, preached this word of truth to many of them himself, he knew that they were saved in the same way that he was. And that fact alone was, was cause for Paul to want to pray for the saints in the way that he does in verses 15 through 23. Um, that, that thought is echoed in verse 15 where it says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. These are, these are the reasons why Paul was praying for the saints here. He knew of their faith. He knew that they shared a common faith. 
And he knew that they were responding to that faith and the love that they demonstrated for the saints. Um, and it's this attitude that causes Paul to begin his prayer by giving thanks for the brethren there. That was his, um, that, that's the first thing that he says in verse, in verse 16. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, always remembering you my prayers. So the first, the first lesson that I'd like us to see about prayer is our prayer should be motivated by the knowledge that we share a common salvation with the saints that we are praying for. You know, I don't, I don't know what greater unifier or common denominator exists uh, in this world other than the fact that you and I share a common salvation in the Lord Jesus. Um, if you, uh, I think about First uh, John chapter 1 and verse 7 where it says that we have fellowship with one another as the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sins. That is, what, that is what causes us to have this fellowship that we have with each other. That's, what's ca- that's what causes us to be together like we are today and to have the individual relationships that we all have with each other as Christians is the fact that we are all saved uh, together through the blood of Jesus. And if we truly believe that, if we truly believe that we are among a body of believers, of, of saved people, that should motivate us to pray for each other. That should motivate us to to have the attitude of gratefulness to God that Paul demonstrates here. Um, you know, I think, I think it really is an amazing thing that in this grand plan of salvation, God didn't just leave us on our own to, to figure this out by ourselves. He gave us each other. He gave us other people who would be saved by the same grace, by the same blood. And that's something that we should be grateful for. And that attitude should be demonstrated in our prayers. Uh, but secondly, think about uh, what specific things Paul asks from God uh, for the brethren here. Um, he lists several things, and I just want to say I, I'm not going to do justice by any means to the um, the things that Paul lists here. These are um, these are some deep, wondrous spiritual things um, that probably could each just uh, have a whole lesson devoted to them themselves. Um, but we're not going to uh, get into that today. Um, but he lists several things here. He begins his prayer by asking God to help them understand better about who he is, about who God is. Uh, he says that there in verse, uh, in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul desires for the saints at Ephesus to know better who God is. Um, that, that is. That is his first and foremost prayer for them is that they would understand more about who God is. And then secondly, um, Paul asks for the Ephesians to know three, and, and these are three like somewhat famous uh, things. He says, I want you to know the hope of his calling. I want you to know the riches of his inheritance in the saints. And I want you to know the immeasurable greatness of his power. Um, when, I, when I think about these things, and like I said before, there's a lot more... Uh, wrapped up in these concepts than I'm going to get into today. But when I think about these things on a basic level of what Paul is asking for the brethren here, I think he's trying to say, he's trying to communicate to them that he wants them to understand their identity as Christians. He wants them to understand that they are a called people, that they are supposed to be living according to the hope of the calling of God. And also that they are, they are, the, they are the precious inheritance of God. Um, it says it says there in verse in verse eighteen, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's what that's what these people were. They are the they are the riches of God's inheritance in the saints. 
And then finally, he wants them to understand that they have God's power working in their lives. Um, this power that is demonstrated by the resurrection of Christ. Um, the most powerful example of God's working in the world that we have uh, today. And so I think in the, same, in the same way, we should pray for our brethren about these things as well. We need to pray that our brethren will come to know God better. Um, I need to specifically pray for you that you will come to know God better. I also need to specifically pray that we will understand better um, our identity as Christians, um, that we will understand who we are before God, because that is something that that is something that completely changes our lives. And finally, in 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 the way of changing our lives, we need to understand the true life-giving, resurrective power that is working through us. Um, and you know, these are the, the thing that strikes me is that. Um, and not surprising, as this is a writing of Paul, but these are very like deep spiritual things that Paul is praying for his brethren here. He's not, he's not asking, you know, not that these are bad things to ask for, but he's not saying, you know, Father, uh, help those who are sick or, um, you know, help this person's job. Those are important things to ask for, too, and Paul mentions those in other letters of his, these more physical things. But his deepest prayer for these brethren is that they would know God better. It's that they would understand who they are as Christians, and it's that they would understand the power of God that is working through them. Um, and I believe, I, I believe firmly that these are the things that we need to pray for each other about. I need to be concerned about, um, about these things for my brethren. And I think that it's also really, really <clears throat> awesome because the more that, and, and I think we all know this to be true, but the more that, the more that we pray about something, the more we're going to be mindful about it in our daily lives. And I don't know about you, but these things that Paul lists here are things that I need to be more mindful about for myself and for my brethren about. I need to be concerned about, you know, are we really learning about God in the way that we should? Are we really learning about who we are as Christians in the way that we should? Um, and I think that prayer will uh, allow that to happen more on a more consistent basis. Um, so the, the first prayer that Paul gives in Ephesians chapter 1 I think maybe uh, has a more kind of individual focus. Um, it's really like Paul praying for the individual Christians in Ephesus. Um, he's talking about, we together share a common salvation, me and these Christians in Ephesus. Um, the prayer that he gives in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, which is the next one that we're going to talk about, has a much more um, kind of collective emphasis. And I want to uh, bring out some points about that from his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm just going to read verses um, 14 through 21. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Again, this is Paul praying for the Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on, in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened, strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So again, let's ask these two questions that we are considering here today about prayer. 
what is Paul's motivation for these saints? And what does he specifically pray for them about? Well, I think uh, you see a similar structure here at the beginning of this prayer in chapter 3 and verse 14. He again begins with, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Um, and really, uh, the way that uh, this chapter 3 is structured, the beginning of chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, are all kind of a big parenthesis. It's Paul uh, kind of taking a, a brief sidestep to discuss his role in ministering and in revealing the mystery of Christ. So really, the beginning of this prayer calls back all the way to the end of chapter 2, um, where he says in verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul's motivated to pray for these saints in Ephesus because they are being built up together to be a dwelling place for God. Um, if, you, if you read that, that, that section there at the end of chapter 2, I don't know how you can't think about the collective fellowship that we are supposed to have as we pursue, uh, as we pursue God together. We're supposed to be fellow, saints with the, fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. Um, we're being built together into a house for a dwelling place for God, built on the cornerstone of Christ. Um, there's this idea of a, a common citizenship, a common uh, cornerstone, and really a common goal of being built up into a holy temple for the Lord, being built up into this, into this dwelling place uh, for God. And that's what Paul, um, that's what Paul mentions in his, uh, in his prayer down in uh, chapter 3 as well. In verse 17 he says, I pray that, um, that Christ, may, uh, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He wants this goal of Christ dwelling with them to be accomplished. Um, this, this common goal that they have as a collective body of believers. And so I think that, um, I think it's important for us when we think about our prayer for the saints. I think it's important to remember that our prayer should be motivated by the fact that we are a body of believers. We are not just individually relating to each other, but we are collectively a body of believers that has a common goal, a common cornerstone, um, and a common, a common mission of being built up together to be um, a dwelling place for God. You know, I think that it's, uh, it's common, uh, and I think all of us would say this, that it's common to pray for your family. Um, I, know, I know I pray for my family because those are people that you love. Those are people that you are, you are bonded together with in a, in, a, um, in a deep bond that is different than any other bond that you have with other people on this earth. So how much more should we pray for those that we are joined together with in the body of Christ? How much more should we pray for those that we are collectively united with in the body of Christ? I think that that is, that is such a strong um, motivator um, for us, and it, and it should cause us to want to um, pray for the church and pray for our brethren. Um, and then thinking about um, what specifically Paul prays for here, um, his prayer really builds on this idea of having a common goal with the believers. Uh, like I said before, he says that we're supposed to be built up in this dwelling place for God. And so Paul prays that Christ would dwell richly in the hearts of the believers there. But not only that, but Paul also asks for a result of Christ dwelling in their hearts. And he, he says uh, there in verse 18 that they 
would be rooted and grounded in love, having the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Paul desires that they, uh, based on this, this dwelling in Christ, based on being built up into a, a house for God, that they together would understand more about, about Christ. That they would understand more deeply about the love of Christ in a way that, um, that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. I think that throughout this text, um, this, this prayer, he mentions several times these collective ideas with all the saints um, together, he says. He says uh, in verse 21, him be glory in the church. Um, Paul, is, Paul is concerned here about uh, them doing these things together and that being the, the kind of vehicle that accomplishes these, these purposes. And it, it is incredible that in verse, uh, in verse 21, when he is giving this beautiful praise to God, um, he says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. The church, this collective body of believers that we are a part of together, is a way of giving God glory in, in a similar way that Jesus gave God glory. That was Jesus' mission on this earth, was to glorify the Father. And in the same way, that is our mission as a body of believers, as a church, is to give glory to the Father. And so the fourth thing that I think we can take from Paul's prayers to the Ephesians is that we should pray that we as a church will help each other understand God and God's love uh, better and more fully. And that we will motivate each other to, uh, to follow our, our mutual purpose of giving God glory. I think that those are, those are good things uh, to pray about. Um, and in, in the same way that we pray for each other individually, that we, should, that we would be built up, I think it's a good thing to pray for the church as a collective, that we would be built up together and be able to accomplish this purpose here, uh, these purposes here that Paul uh, lists. And so just as a way of, uh, as a way of review, um, first of all, prayer should be motivated by the knowledge that we individually share a common salvation with the saints that we are praying for. Second of all, we should pray three specific things for our brethren. One, that they will come to know God better. Two, that they will know their identity as Christians. And three, that they will know their true, that true life-giving power is working through them. Number three, our prayer should be motivated by the fact that we are a body of believers with a common cornerstone and a common goal. And finally, we should pray that we as a church will be able to help each other understand God's love better and be able to uh, fulfill the mutual purpose and goal that God has given us in the church. Um, I think that if, if our prayers were to center more around these themes, um, it would result in, in a lot of good things. And, and maybe you're saying, you know, okay, well, you know, Paul, Paul might have prayed these things. That doesn't mean that I necessarily have to, have to pray in the same way. It doesn't mean that I'm necessarily uh, responsible to, to follow exactly the pattern that Paul has left behind. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and verse 1, Paul says that the Corinthians should imitate him as he imitated Christ. And just in, in conclusion here, I want us to look at one of Jesus' prayers for his followers. Turn to me to John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, this is, this is at the end of Jesus' life. He is, this is actually uh, right directly before he's about to be arrested and betrayed. Um, 
And this is the prayer that he gives um, for his followers. Read with me in verses 20 through 26. I do not ask for these only, referring to his, uh, his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me wherever I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. I think that Jesus clearly states two goals for the people that he is praying for here. And that is that they would be one with God and, and himself. And secondly, that they would be one with each other. And I think that those are, um, those are the same goals that we should have, and that we see reflected in Paul's prayers for the saints, and that we should carry over into our prayers as well. Um, I, hope that, I hope that today, it's a, this, this is a, I hope it's a practical lesson. I hope that it's something that you can take with you. I, I know that this is something that I'm going to take with me. Um, because I think that it is vitally important that we consider our brethren and that we consider our brethren in prayer um, in, in the same ways that Jesus and Paul did um, for, uh, for those who they were praying for. Um, and I'm going uh, to say a prayer now uh, to wrap up our lesson as we, uh, as we consider these things. Our dear, holy, and righteous Father in heaven, Lord, we are so grateful for this avenue of prayer that you've given us that allows us to, um, to come before you and to, um, to bless your name, to praise you. Um, Father, I pray that you will help us to be more mindful of our brethren. Um, help us to demonstrate the attitude that Paul shows in, uh, in the book of Ephesians and in lots of his other writings, um, the attitude of care and concern uh, and deep love for his brethren, Father. Um, I pray that this attitude will be reflected in our prayers, um, that we will remember that we are joined together by a common salvation. Remember that you have uh, not just joined us together in a common salvation, but you have brought us together into this uh, common uh, collective body um, that is meant to give you glory. Help us to, um, to pray for our brethren uh, that, they would, that they would come to know you better. Help us to pray that, um, that we will understand more about your love. Help us to, uh, to pray for each other that we will uh, seek you in the ways that, uh, that you need to be sought, Father. Lord, um, in all these things, let us be mindful of each other and let us, uh, let us be mindful of you. Um, and again, Father, we are so incredibly grateful and thankful um, for the believers that are here uh, and for those who we share a common hope and a common uh, salvation with. I pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who saves us from our sins. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm thankful for everyone being here today and for your time and attention. Um, if you have any questions about this lesson or about other things, uh, feel free to 
uh, come up and talk to uh, myself or Blake or anyone afterwards. Uh, we'll be more than glad to maybe talk to Blake, not me. Um, <laughs> but we'll be more than glad to, to talk to you about that. And if there's anyone here today who has a need um, that the church here could help you with in a, in a spiritual way, um, we're happy to, to address that. Um, just come and find one of us and uh, we'll, we'll stand and sing.